Hello and welcome to episode 48 of the Cake Watch podcast, the podcast that's still a member of the European Union. My name is Steve Bullock, I'm an ex-negotiator for the UK and the EU, and I'm here with my colleague... Chris Kendall, I am a current official for the European Union, um, but I'm podcasting in a strictly personal capacity. Strictly personal capacity. Strictly. Strictly. (laughs) Uh, So welcome this week. Um, It's mayhem, nobody has any idea what the is going on um and we'll at least try and uh take you through it from a from the eu side <laughs> we'll try today to some extent anyway and before all that we've got some follow-up haven't we chris uh yeah we've got a bit of follow-up we've um we're gonna What's talk- the follow-up about chris <laughs> so i thought we could talk a little bit why don't bit- you tell the listeners what it's about <laughs> uh. Well, it was particularly bad when we had an extra guest on. So it was when we had Alan, um, because we were re- we were talking over each other. We're, we're even worse at it when we are in the same room. We're slightly better at it when we do it over FaceTime that we're doing now. But we, yeah, we got a bit of criticism saying you you, you guys you just talk over each other all the time, which is true. <laughs> yes, it is. I think with Alan as well, there was there was you know because Alan's sitting behind the desk like the headmaster of the yeah. teacher, and we're going. Misa, Misa, Misa. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that was a particularly bad episode. But yeah, we did get feedback that we we, we talk over each other and yeah. we will try, we'll try not to. We'll try. Um, because it must make it harder to listen to. It makes it harder to listen to because I I do listen back. I know that you don't, but. No. <laughs> I, well, I do once. I do while I'm editing it. I don't listen to the whole thing back. I listen to it on my, on my weekly journeys back to the UK, actually. I find it uh Short term memory loss or something. You can't remember what we said. Or I, I always find that it sounds better when I listen back to it. It's, it's, yeah, it's strange. I do like the sound of my own voice. <laughs> Hence my talking over you all the time, and vice versa. Yeah, we are both horribly gobby. Yeah, and and actually, and that's the second bit of follow, isn't it? That um, we tend to harp on at length. Yeah. And that, and that lends an overall longer length to the uh, longer, 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 longer lasting podcast. Uh, yeah. But feedback on that's kind of split. Some people, some people don't like it, like me. Um, and some people like Chris do like it being longer. Yeah. Um, so, but what we'd recommend is if you listen to it in, in multiple, multiple sittings, maybe while doing multiple different activities, um, That'll make it at least seem like it's gone quicker. I think you should do whatever the hell you want to do. I mean, I, I, my my guiding principle is authenticity. In other words, we just do what we want to do. I think that's yeah. the, that's the point. Uh, I think if if you podcast it, they will come or not. You know. Also, yeah. Also, there's this thing. I remember. Um, I remember asking someone from briefing for a briefing in my old job, and they sent me. Um, they sent me about four, four or five pages when I needed a page. And they sent it with um, a note saying, sorry, didn't have time to do a short version. <laughs> and this is exactly right, in that it's, it's, it's much harder to 
write everything down and then edit it, or record everything and then edit it, and then edit it down, say from an hour, well, there's an a, hour there's and a half a... to fifty minutes, actually takes actually takes a lot more time to do that than it does to you know uh, record record one that actually took hundred you know uh, uh, an hour and fifteen or something. Um, the editing editing process takes a lot longer if you're if you're really trying to cut stuff out. Yeah. Well, there's a famous quote, isn't there? But and I completely forgot what it is and who who who, who said it. <laughs> but there's a famous quote by somebody saying, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I wrote you such a long letter. I didn't have time to write you a short one." Oh, that's the yeah, that's the that's what the reference was when they sent it to me. That's yeah, that's exactly the reference. A, well, have somebody somebody listening to this will know exactly the quote I'm talking about and yeah, tell yeah, us. somebody will. And I'll remember it as soon as we finish recording. Yeah. And get annoyed when people send it to me because I'll have remembered it. You will be whispering it from the basements on your way home. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so, Chris, what's going on? <laughs> so we're recording on Wednesday evening, the week after Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> it is a very strange limbo that we're that we're currently experiencing. It's not a limbo. It's membership of the EU. Well, it is membership of the EU. With right. full rights, with full rights and obligations. And the the, the weird thing is that um, having had it pushed back once, suddenly it feels uh, rightly or wrongly, probably wrongly, but it feels as if well, that's it. I mean, we're, we're never going <laughs> to exit. Um, but I mean, I mean, well, seriously, it's. Um, um, it, it, it's a, a, a strange kind of phony war uh, because we are now in another countdown till the 12th of April, which is, what's the Friday next week, isn't it? 12th. Mm-hmm. Um, at which point we will Brexit without a deal. At 11, unless there's yeah, a deal. UK time. Yeah. yeah. Unless there's a deal. Um, and that deal um, is the deal that's already on the table. Uh, or unless there's a longer extension Mm. So the situation um, is that if if there was a deal, there would be an, uh, there would be an extension until the twenty second of May. Yeah. Um, to implement it, um, and if there isn't an extension, uh, if if there wasn't uh, an agreement, then from what has been said in Brussels and EU capitals, there certainly wouldn't be a longer uh, uh, a short another extension, short a, another short extension. So yesterday, um, so there's lots of things that have happened, um, but let's just focus on um, what happened yesterday, which is that um, following Monday's um, failure of the second lot of indicative votes in Parliament, um, the Prime Minister had her mammoth political cabinet um, and Mm. came out of that and said, right, this is what's happening. I'm going to invite... Um, the opposition leader, bracket possibly S leaders. Well, oh, I don't in, think there was ever a possible bracket. Actually, no, no. I think it was only ever Corbyn. Is it? Was it? Mm-hmm. I, th- I yeah. thought Nic- I thought Nicola went and see her. Uh, Nicola had a meeting with her, unrelated to that. Oh, I see. Well, anyway, she 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 and Corbyn are between them going to stitch us up like kippers. Yeah, literally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, yeah, and. Um, so yes, yeah, so, so 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 what she said yesterday was, well, look, I'm going to ask for another short extension when I go to the special summit that Donald Tusk has called for the 10th, which is Wednesday next Wednesday, week. Yeah. 
Um, and at that summit, I hope to bring uh, an agreement between myself and the leader of the opposition that we believe will have a Commons majority. Um, and what that would be would be presumably um, a proposal for how to amend the political de declaration. Yeah. Because obviously yeah. the withdrawal agreement isn't going to get amended. And on that basis, she hopes to be able to pass the withdrawal agreement at the fourth attempt. Yeah. Um, so when I heard this, my, in my initial, my immediate reaction was, uh, well, that short extension, they're going to tell her to do one because yeah. she's not going to get a short extension. She's going to get an extension if she signs up to uh, European elections and oh. if um, she can persuade them that there really does seem to be a good prospect of her securing um, an agreement um, yeah. for the way forward. Yeah. But maybe she ha maybe maybe those things could happen. Um, she has been talking about bringing forward legislation to enable the European elections to take place, though she's also said that she on, would on like Monday, to yeah. cancel it. Yeah. On Monday, yeah. And then, yeah. The, yeah, the idea seems to be that she'll bring forward the statutory instrument on Monday. There have already been letters from David Liddington to returning officers yeah. um, authorising them to start expenditure on it. Yeah. Um, and, <clears throat> yeah, the idea would... So her idea seems to be that if she can get the agreement... agreement well, our friend Mark Johnson... Coined this term flextension, eh? yeah, um, and that seems to be what she's what she's after here. That she yeah. thinks she can get it done by the twenty second of May, and if she can, then she can sort of unilaterally declare the end of the um, extension period. Firstly, I'm not actually sure she can do that. I mean, that's going to need agreement. Yes, um, and I don't know about you. I mean, everyone seems to think this would be this would be no problem. I I, I could be wrong. Obviously, could be wrong here, but. I don't know. I think um, having one side be able to declare um, the date unilaterally, effectively, the date of exit is um, it wouldn't be wouldn't be acceptable to no, no, E twenty seven. But but lots of people think it. Lots of think people um, who are who are good commentators and, and and good minds on this think think that it would be. So so that remains to be remains to be seen. So what's happened to the what's happened to, so what's happened to the indicative votes? I mean, so we had the indicative votes on Mon Monday, Monday, and none got a majority, but some came very, very close. But, um, but so my understanding is that so so Letwin's uh, Letwin's strategy uh, has led to a further day of um, Commons-led uh, business today. Yeah, but, the uh, but they the haven't used them for indicative votes. And no, and they, no, and the no, they haven't. They've used it for this. Um, they've used Cooper, it for the for the, the, for, the for the for the Cooper bill, which we'll come to. But the the yeah, the indicative votes. The important. I mean, aside from the fact that a compromise wasn't found, I think two two huge errors were made with it. The one that one was that there was no real distinction made between the process motions, which were. On a uh, on a people's vote and on Joanna Cherry's uh, no deal backstop, effectively, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, between those two those two motions and the motions on the customs union and single market too, because those two sets of motions aren't, aren't mutually exclusive. So it turn, it turns out afterwards that the or at least according to uh, Anna Subri that that uh, the people's vote people really had tried to. 
tried to put composite motions, had tried to get the people who were putting yeah. the other motions forward to incorporate a people's vote into it. But even then, I mean, it just struck me as silly that they didn't have a vote on each proposal with and without the, with and without the, refer, the confirmatory referendum um, attached to it. Because then we would have really seen what the numbers were for for each, and there would have been a chance of a chance of getting majority. For now, you know, now we're in the position where uh, the PM can rightly say that you know none of these got a none of these in yeah. themselves got a majority, whereas they might have got a majority if combined. Well, so there it, was talk. There was talk of having these indicative votes on Monday, but um, as far as I can tell, um, in the Commons today, they weren't put on the uh they weren't put on the well, they uh, business bill they, they were, well they weren't put but they weren't put on the business bill it was done separately as an amendment um and that's why there had to be a specific vote on it and then amazingly the house was split evenly and the speaker had to use his casting vote uh, which meant that they lost which means there won't be there won't be indicative votes at least not run by parliament on um, on right. monday so that's the so end that, of that. So that um, opportun- yeah, so that opportunity seems to have gone, unless May and Corbyn don't come up with something, in which case uh, May has said that they'll hold in- indicative votes, but they'll hold votes on the options. But those will be... But her options. They'll be her, exactly, they'll be her options. So that's, that's, very, that's very different, though. Yeah. So, um, so that's really, really very bad news. Yeah, that, yeah that, that is very bad news. Um, I think it was a real missed opportunity. I think the... Yeah, I think that was all a missed opportunity. I think the uh, the defeat of uh, Joanna Cherry's bill was absolutely disgraceful. Yeah, um, I was really, really, really. I have to say, I was extremely angry about this because you've got Parliament going around saying we don't want no deal. We absolutely want no deal ruling out. Well, the only way you rule out no deal is by accepting that if you get close to no deal. <laughs> um. And there's uh, and there's nothing coming to save it, then you have to revoke Article Fifty. But these lily-livered swines won't admit the reality that that's what it would require, yeah. uh, because nobody wants to use the word revoke because they're fucking scared of it. Um, and this, this, I mean, come on, with a few days to go, not facing reality is completely absurd. Yeah. So now we're left with the the Cooper Bill, um, which doesn't say that, which, which says that. In the event, you know, in in the event, it's complicated, and we won't go into it. And other people will go into it much better than we could, anyway, because we're not Westminster specialists. But it essentially says that um, the Parliament could have a vote to force the Prime Minister to ask for an extension, um, which it seems she's going to do. It seems she's going to do anyway. But the difference with this is that it could put parameters on it, and including the length and so on. And therefore, you know, if the Prime Minister. If you had the situation where the Prime Minister asked for an extension on the 22nd of May and was told to piss off by the EU um, and they offered a long extension and then she refused, then Parliament could force her to, uh, to I, I think, as far as I can tell, force her to, uh, to, ask for a, to, act, to accept or ask for a, a longer extension. But this, is, this really isn't a no-deal backstop in the, in the way that the Joanna Cherry no. motion was. And no. I, I think it's... <sighs> I, I'm just so I can hardly even talk about it. I'm so annoyed about it. Um, this was a moment to make sure that no deal effectively could not happen unless uh, Parliament actively voted for it. And uh, yeah, this was a uh, it, this was really poor, and it was purely because of the political perceptions about revo- about revoking yeah. uh, that it wasn't done. And also, 
because of this convention, I believe, the, the Labour Party won't vote for SNP mm. motions or uh, legislation, no matter whether they agree with it or not. It's the Baines uh, principle, isn't it? The Baines principle, yeah. mm. which is, I mean, really absolutely disgraceful. And then seeing yeah. Keir Starmer, who I rather admire, um, talking down to Joanna Cherry and saying that they're trying to have a grown-up process was absolutely mm. fucking disgraceful. So. Yeah. No, it's pretty depressing. No, I, th- I think I think the thing to say is just how awful this looks outside. I mean, to to, yeah. to, to observers outside, I think observers outside are looking at this and they are just thinking, this is a failed state. This is they don't yeah. want anything. I mean, outside observers, even even those who are really quite plugged into the process are not really looking at the nuances of playing a longer game where... There's nine days to go, we can't play long games. Exactly, but also, (laughs) you're then playing a long game and then Parliament chooses not to have further indicative votes. So, you know, boom, you know, snookered. So, really, there's, you know, to an outside observer who probably has a better perspective on it than we do uh, sitting here yeah. nerdily gazing at it. Um, yeah, it, things really look very, very, very dysfunctional um, to the point where I don't think it's pure... I don't think it's gamesmanship when you get uh, foreign politicians now saying, even the ones that are actually quite positively disposed towards the Brits, like people like Norbert Rutgen, now saying, no, you know, enough is enough. Let's, yeah, let's yeah. Quite wash our hands of this. We need to... Well, the, um, Charles Grant uh, wrote a piece for The Guardian oh, where he I talks thought, about yeah. it as um, the Europeans want to cut out this cancer. And it's a bit yeah. like that. It really is. You hear it again and again. Um, you know, um, no deal is not something that people want, but it, it ha- the work to prepare for it has been done if it, if it has to be a no deal, then then so be it. Yeah. But what they but the, don't want is just this psychodrama just no. to keep continuing. And this is what this last man standing approach by people's vote supporters, uh, you know, missed out, yes. which we've talked about before. Yeah. It missed out the EU perception of it. It missed, <laughs> out that, it missed out that the EU 27 was important, which is exactly the same mistake that the yeah. government's made yeah, all, all along. British, British um, and, we're, and we're still seeing, we see the Labour Party making the same yeah. mistake. Taking the EU for um, granted. Uh, with fric- the idea you can have frictionless trade outside the single market and without the full freedoms. We've seen the government do it constantly. Um, and uh, bits of Remain have done it as well. And, um, yeah. yeah, and looking at this, I think, well, God's sake. You know, if <laughs> if you want to stop it, why have... You know, people talk about the Remain a majority in Parliament. Mm. If there's a Remain a majority, why haven't they revoked Article 50 yeah. or put it... Or, or agreed to have a vote? Yeah. If there's a soft Brexit majority, why haven't they? Why haven't they voted for a soft Brexit? Yeah. You know, I mean, these are reasonable. These are entirely reasonable questions. You know, yeah. um, and to, uh, to, I mean, to be in this position is just just absolutely horrendous. It, it's proper. It's proper failed state territory. You know. Well, it is, and, and I think those are valid questions. Um, but one of the most interesting things on Monday evening, after the indicative votes failed a second time, was to look at some of the visual aids that people had put together. Uh, and there was one um, in particular that um, graphically represented I think, that was an institute for, I think it was an Institute for Government one. Yeah. It was very good indeed, yeah. Um, yeah. It, 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 it illustrated each vote 
uh, in terms of colour, and you could see just this block of blue. Now, the government, the Conservative Party, which forms a government, maybe a minority in part in government, only just, but when you take the DUP and the uh, Red Kip, uh, people like Hoey and Frank yeah. Field, actually, they, 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 they're a majority. And when you look at that block, solidly, steadily resisting all solutions, yeah, all, all solutions, solutions, there's only one conclusion to draw, which is that, okay, you know what, on the other side of the... On the other side of the divide, you've got people who are playing some games and they're maybe, you know, they're not, you know, sometimes they do that, sometimes they do this. But generally, you know, there's looking for compromise, there's looking for ways out. But on the other side, on the government side, it's just solid, nonstop, nihilistic, block, yeah. block, block, net, yeah. net, net, no, no, no. And that's what will lead us off the cliff edge, which yeah, is what they yeah, want, absolutely. of course. Which is what so they want, yeah. If you want to, yeah, it's all pretty awful. It's all pretty failed state stuff. But ultimately, the the blame, I think, has to be put squarely in the lap of the Conservative Party. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's why Nick Bowles did what he did. Yeah. That's why Nick Bowles did that live, you know, rage quit <laughs> on, on, you know, in Parliament. Which, are, which is continuing on Twitter even as we speak, by the way. Yes, um, very, very good. <laughs> well, very. read it out. I haven't got it on screen now. Okay, so um, so he has gone on Twitter now saying, well, now I'm no longer a Tory. It means I'm no longer bound by various codes of honour to protect. Um, and he's saying the, the Prime Minister is, is the Prime Minister, but behind her is her head of comms, Robbie Gibb, the ex-BBC guy, who is a hard Brexiter. Oh. He's a hard lever. Go on. Uh Nick Bull said, I'm no longer a member of the Conservative Party, so I can be blunt where previously I might have been discreet. The PM's head of communications, Robbie Gibb, is a hard Brexiter who wants to destroy the PM's new search for a cross-party compromise. The media should be honest about the briefings they received from that quarter, and the Prime Minister would do well to tell Mr Gibb to get back in his box or go back to the BBC. Well, (laughs) I don't think we need him at the BBC either, quite honestly. No, no, I think we had enough of him at the BBC. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. But yeah, I think this is party. Parties are going to find out. That mm. <laughs> parties are going to find out that there's there's more to someone quitting yeah. uh, than just losing the numbers in the in the Commons. Huh? Yeah. Um, and this hasn't really happened too much from the others that have quit. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, this could this could be the start of something start of something else, couldn't it? Well, it would be nice to it would be nice if um, if 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 you did see some people like Bulls starting to spill the beans on just how dysfunctional things are behind the scenes. So what's the process for this Corbyn thing? So uh, uh, Corbyn-May thing. The process is that they'll they'll try and reach an agreement to put to Parliament, and if they can't, um, then there'll be indicative votes. Yeah. Um, and so May and Corbyn met today. Yeah. And uh, Corbyn said that it was constructive, but there was no real breakthrough. Yeah. That the red lines all still seem to be there. Yeah. Um, but what was interesting... Is that so? Yeah, there's a bit of good and a bit of bad from Labour today, really. The bit of bad is that they confirmed that they were against continuing freedom of freedom of movement. Um, well, a spokesperson did. A spokesperson did. Um, the good news is that Corbyn appears to have at least brought up a referendum with uh, in, in discussions with May, or he says he did. Um, yeah, and what's the name um, has. 
um, what's her name? <laughs> Shit. Emily, Th- Emily Thornberry. Thornberry has said um, that um, a referendum must be part of the package. A referendum, yeah, um, re- a referendum on the deal must be part of the package. So that's quite um, significant, I think, from her. Well, she said that, yeah, she said that um, Shadow Cabinet should vote on it and, um, and that she would be voting for it. Um, well, yeah, I didn't know Shadow Cabinet had a vote on whether or not to implement the party's policy or not. But <laughs> that makes it slightly different, but... But no, but a li- but yeah, the referendum thing. If he does seem to put, he does seem to have put that in, it does seem to be uh, uh, there. The question is whether it's a condition or not. Mm. You know, um, if it's not a condition, then it'll get swept aside very quickly, and it's mm. for show, essentially for show. Um, <laughs> uh, the issue here, though, is that I mean, the the okay, there's the customs union, but which Parliament seemed to be drifting towards anyway. But the basis of the Labour position is still that there should be a single market relationship, which is not a me- not membership of the single market yeah, and not accepting all four freedoms. I, um, yes, exactly. So yeah, let's, yeah, let's pick this apart for a second because this is important. So um, go- <clears throat> government, parliament seem to be drifting towards customs union. Let's let's be clear here. We were at a customs union anyway. Customs union is is still a, a pretty hard Brexit. Customs yeah, union yeah, is where we were anyway, because the backstop means a customs union. Mm, mm. That's what the and government already asked for. And there's no future relationship that solves the backstop that doesn't involve still being in a customs union. Yeah. So, so you know, we were already at a customs union. Yeah. And so you know, customs union, big fucking deal. So you know, you've got a, a few ERGs who are going off their head because they think, oh, now we can't strike our own. Uh, free trade deals with uh, Timbuktu. Well, you know, <laughs> anybody which with I, any... Which, which, which actually you can. You just can't set your own tariff with them. It, it, so, okay, it, it, again, it's a, it's a bit more complicated because it, it, there are certain aspects of, 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 of free trade that indeed you can pursue um, and, and certain key sectors where you can pursue them. Um, it's not the same as being within the um, common trade policy of the, of no, the EU. Exactly. So it's yeah. not the same. But um, in any case, um, it, it's, it, it's really not such a terrible thing to be uh, no. part of the world's most influential and powerful trade, uh, trade power. No, okay. absolutely. It would be even better if we were in it and actually influencing it. <laughs> Yeah, quite, theory, but, it's but, better, but it's better than not being in it. Yeah, I mean, this yeah, is still. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is part of, part of what we've talked about before. That the the, <laughs> the things that bring the best outcomes have been demonised as being the worst yeah. outcomes. So, um, the, so this is why, for example, I I could not get on board with the uh, broad criticism of uh, the independent group, for example, for um, voting against the customs union option when it came to indicative voting. I, I couldn't. I'm sorry. I I, I I couldn't get a. I couldn't have a. Pro- I have no problem with that because no, I don't want. No, it. Me not, no, for me, me that's a Brexit that I don't want. So I mean, I well, I don't want um, the the politicians representing me to be voting for that as an option that they that they think would be an acceptable compromise. I don't think it would be an acceptable compromise. That's still a pretty bloody hard Brexit, and I, I don't want any sim- Brexit at all. I have more sympathy with people who who say, "Look, I don't have strong views about." Uh, whether whether it, there's a, a, a checkbox marked membership or not, or whether that checkbox is check, has a ticker across in it, I care about 
I care about freedom of movement and um, Fingle, you know, and Fingle market membership, common market, I hate the term common market 2.0. And something like common market 2.0 would, would do that, would, would keep freedom of movement. So I, I completely understand people who think they should have voted for it like that. But I still, dis- but I still disagree because I think it would have just been pocketed. I think if they got a majority yeah. for yeah. common market 2, this would have been pocketed. Everybody would have said, great, um, common market 2 it is. Then, uh, People's vote people would have been sitting there going, what about the people's vote? And they'd say, well, we've got a majority now. We don't need it. Screw mm. you guys. It mm. would have just been backed. So um, I don't see, you know, I, th- I think that I, uh, what was bad about it was that in the event, the Common Market 2 supporters voted for, well, the, the, the people behind it vote, did, vote for, uh, did vote for the people's vote motion. And the people's vote people didn't vote for the Common Market 2 motion. But... They'd said that they weren't going to vote for it. They'd said that they were going to abstain on it, and at the very mm. and at the very last minute, uh, changed their mind and voted differently. Um, so, but I mean, you know, I, I do understand people who 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 don't have who considers freedom of movement to be more important than membership. Um, I do. I sure, do get sure, that. sure. I get that too. I get that too. Um, and so, I, I was talking specifically about the customs union option with common market too. Um, Look, that's why I think, but that's why I think that's different. I mean, yeah, customs, exactly. The customs union, customs union makes trade uh, makes gives a bit less friction in trade, but it doesn't make trade frictionless, and it doesn't get us freedom of movement. Exactly. Mm. I mean, it's mm. nowhere near single market. Remember that um, Barnier slide where yeah. it had yeah. it had all of the checks that had to take place and the ones yeah. that were covered by the customs union. were like these yeah. these couple in the middle with all, with all these other checks surrounding it. Um, so no 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 I I completely agree with you about that so I wasn't saying so no no so 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 okay so let, you know, reverting to the famous Barnier staircase so the customs union is right down at the bottom just just one up from yeah. from from um, Canada whereas the common market two or or, or, or EFTA EEA type thing is is right at the top just 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 below yeah. EU membership and I mean if that if we're going to compromise if we're talking about compromise which you know honestly. Um, is, is a big ask from a bunch of people that haven't compromised a, a, a single jot, um, even on a, yeah. a, a, a very flimsy mandate with, with a 50 50 oh. split, you know. So if we were going to compromise, I mean, that would be the sort of area where I'd be looking to compromise. And a minimum ask from, from, from me, and I suspect many people like us, would be to keep our freedom of movement or to keep yeah. the four freedoms. So well, if you're is- talking about a compromise where we're keeping the four freedoms, well, okay, let's talk about that. But I mean, customs, uh, customs. No, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to vote for that. But also on the question of compromise, so you know, comp- compromise means you know both move, both moving positions. So yeah. if you take, um, so if on the one hand you have uh, common market two, and on the other hand you have people's vote. So people's vote are people who don't want Brexit to happen, and who want. A refer- and, but who will accept it if there's a referendum on the deal, mm-hmm. right? So that's that's mm-hmm. the that's the position. And you have people who are happy for Brexit to happen, but want it to be this kind, but want it to be this this version. That's the common market to mm. people, right? Well, the compromise between between them is not to say, okay, you people's vote, people vote for us because it's not as bad as what could happen. But essentially, forget about your people's vote. Mm. The compromise is to say, um, 
okay, we know you don't want any form of Brexit, but support this form because it'll be less damaging. Mm. And we'll put and we'll put a um, and we'll put a people we'll put a requirement for a referendum on it. Mm. Um, and in that in that way, there's a, that's where the compromise is. You know, yeah. the by adding a referendum to it, the people's vote people weren't asking Common Market Two people to give up Common Market Two. No, Whereas Common exactly. Market Two people were asking people's vote people to give up people's vote. Yeah, um, exactly. It was completely. So, uh, so that, that's, not, that's not a that's not a com- that's not a compromise. Um, and that's why I, that's why I'd argued at the time and will continue to say it should have happened that there should have been composite there should have been composite votes yeah. um on on the two set on the two sets together and not together yeah. have them have them they should have been not together and together um and you know everybody's thought oh well don't worry steve there'll be time to do that well there fucking isn't time to do it now is there well exactly so the because, parliament, because parliament's voted not to, to having taken back control parliament's fucking vote to give up control again yeah. well for reasons that are absolutely beyond my ken Exactly, and of course, there's no way. There was no way of, of being uh, confident that that wouldn't happen, and indeed, it hasn't happened. So, you know, the People's Vote people, the People's Vote commentators who who uh, got cross with um, various opposition parties for um, not simply voting for all of the uh, four options that went before MPs on Monday, because that at least would have then given them a chance of then hanging the People's Vote onto those options at a, at a next mm. stage. I mean, as you well, say... Gonna, well, there, there is the next stage. How could so you didn't know that there was going to be a next stage? Yeah, absolutely. What, 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 was, you know, what was wrong with going with your um, principles and, 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 and sticking the, you know, coupling up the people's vote with, with those options right from the start, as they should have been, instead of this fake yeah. um, distinction between, as you say, procedural votes and uh, conceptual votes. Well, I mean, it just well, made no sense. What I'm really, I mean, what I'm really annoyed about now <laughs> is, you know, months and months of being told, oh, no, we have to wait. Remember, you know, the, mm. there was going to be the doctor's amendment on the initial meaningful vote, which was meant to be before Christmas. But no, 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 we mustn't do it now. And no, 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 we mustn't do it later because we'll lose. And no, 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 we mustn't do it now. And, yeah. and you know, being told by everybody, you just wait. Being told by Labour, you just wait. We're playing the long game. You just wait. Well, like guys, there's nine, there's nine, nine days to go. Um, well, come on, it's not even that. I mean, we're we are now four extra days. time. Right? Yeah, yeah, we're an extra time already. Come on, yeah. Um, you don't wait so, for extra for extra time to field your star striker. I mean, come on. And again, and again, again. With sorry to go on about the cherry motion, but uh, again on the Joanna cherry motion. <laughs> you know the fight of Starmer seeing telling her to her face that it wasn't the time 11 days out mm, to, no, to have a motion terrible. to avoid no deal I mean Jesus terrible so yeah I mean looking on, for me looking on is flabbergasted by this as well so yeah I mean it's completely understandable which is where we started this it's completely yeah. understandable that those in EU27 uh, aren't necessarily in a huge mood to be to be understanding yeah. and, and that seems to be what people are forgetting now is that we're going to have to take a Still forgetting. It was forgotten when Parliament took back... It, on Monday, when Parliament was in charge, it's, it's, it seems to be forgotten now. So you have to take a, you have to take a story to the EU27. You have to take a, yeah. a plan for what's, going, for what's going to happen. And it's still, not, it's still not nailed on. OK, No Deal does look a bit more remote. Some people have... Some heads uh, of government have said there'll be no... You know, they can't see any problem with an extension. The Commission's very pro-extension. Long extension... Not short extension, long extension. People who are pro extension in Europe are only long. Ex- it's only yes. for long extensions. 
But then others, uh, like the the Austrian Prime Minister, said he couldn't see any possible reason for an extension without a plan. Mm. Um, so this, you know, this isn't uh, this isn't nailed on, which is why we need no, it why is we not. need a plan. Is, we need the plan. It is not nailed on. It is not nailed on, and this is this is what has happened all along, as as we were saying on both sides, uh, obviously the Leave side, but also to a, to a, to an extent on the Remain side, people are simply failing to look at the bigger picture, look at the EU twenty seven capitals where the decisions are actually going to be taken that affect us, that that that, that affect our future, not in Westminster but in the EU twenty seven capitals. And also at what happens the moment after uh, Brexit, if it's a disorderly Brexit, what happens, what happens the next day, yeah. what happens the next week? Um, and in Brussels and in the E27 capitals, they are looking at that. They are thinking, mm. well, how, how do we manage the process? What happens after that? And they know, they know. You can pretend as much as you like um, if you're, an ER, if you're a, a radical ERG uh, headbanger that uh, the day after a no-deal Brexit, you'll sail off to the blue yonder and you'll never have to talk to Europe ever again in your life. Uh, they know that that's not going to happen because the UK is geographically part of Europe. The UK relies upon Europe for its uh, economic well-being, for its trade, for all sorts of things. It is going to have to have a relationship with the EU. It is going to have to. Yeah, and there said can the- be no future without a relationship with our largest uh, neighbour just across the road from us. So we're not, you know, even and- North Korea has a relationship with China and South Korea. So, you know, and what are the and what are the so- EU saying? Sorry, sorry, sorry. What, and so what, are the say- EU's, what are the EU putting as preconditions for this? They're putting exactly. uh, they're putting the backstop and financial payments and citizens' rights as the the three key the planks of the withdrawal agreement are going to be preconditions for the next phase and. You know, so it is completely irrelevant whether or not you break it without a deal. The only thing that's going to affect, the only thing that that's going to, that that's going to bring is uh, untold chaos and loss of face and loss of influence and loss of leverage to the UK. There's and then no, having to do what you would have done anyway. And then yeah. having to do exactly what you would have done anyway. Except from a position in, of in, weakness, from a much worse position. Yeah, yeah, Plus, also, you know, the 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 whatever we're going to call it, the thirty nine billion or whatever it is, as 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 the um, what, what people call the divorce bill, which is in fact just settling existing um, indeed uh, uh, obligations. Uh, that I think it's not unreasonable to expect that bill to expand wildly because of the. I think you can expect people to tack on the costs that they will have to bear mm. as a result of a no-deal Brexit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, certainly that the budget has to bear. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's completely, com- com- completely, completely pointless. And uh, people don't seem... People still seem to be ignoring the E27, the E27 side of this. And, um, and nobody and talks that, about that, it. That way, li- that way lies total, total disaster. You know? it's, it's insanity. Nobody talks about it. Nobody's talking about it. Nobody's talking about what happens the day after a disorderly Brexit. What happens the day after a no-deal Brexit? Nobody's talking about it. Oh. People keep talking. You know, the, the, okay, we know that the lunatics keep talking about a no-deal Brexit as if it's some kind of nirvana. You know, it's not a singularity. You know, we don't all disappear into the into the hive mind. You know, <laughs> no you, deal Brexit. There's a day after the no deal Brexit. But don't you think that the uh, hopefully do do you think the May's approach is that what maybe surprised me is that she genuinely does seem to be trying to avoid 
no deal, or at least looking like she's suddenly trying to look like she's trying to avoid no deal. Now that's a, that's a bit of a surprise to me, and that seems to be that seems to be recent. Eh? Something seems to have got to her <coughs> about the about the actual consequences of no deal. Um, and I wonder if she's finally realised. I wonder if she has finally realised, or she's finally realised that it, uh, that it's it's generally it's genuinely uncopable with you know. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure. I, I, don't, I don't. I don't know. I've been one of the people who said she'd take us over the edge all along. Well, but. she just she said the other day that she would, didn't she? She said the other day that if it came to it, she would choose no deal rather than revoke. But then this, well, yeah, rather than revoke, yeah, but yeah. It still comes. To, it still comes down to that. People have to get real. It still comes down to <laughs> that. That if you genuinely want to rule out, rule out no deal, you have to be ready to re- revoke under certain yeah. circumstances. Yeah, and people just well, under under, under certain circumstances, unless she gets her withdrawal agreement through or unless she persuades the EU to give her a longer extension, but that only kicks the can down the road yet again. Yeah. It's either no deal or revoke. But what's different What's different now, of course, is that uh, Corbyn can be to blame for some of it. So if they don't come to a... If they yeah. don't come to an agreement, then it's Corbyn's fault for not compromising. Um, yeah. And if they do come to an agreement, uh, then... Uh, Corbyn, Corbyn gets blamed as the handmaiden of uh, handmaiden of Brexit, but yeah. of course there's lots. Of, but of course there are lots of people, I bet, within the Labour Party that would love Corbyn to be seen to have come to the rescue. They would love to be able to say, "Look, the, our our guy was was a statesman, was willing to compromise, was willing to save the nation from this terrible fate that the Tories had foisted upon us." You know, um, and they think that that's going to they think that that's going to work when in fact. Millions and millions of people are going to go, um, <laughs> you've given us Brexit and you haven't even got us the fucking single market. Um, so uh, I think, yeah, I think, I think May has been very smart in this respect of, of, um, uh, of, of passing, passing off the blame to different people, whatever, whatever happens here. Yeah. Um, so, though, I mean, I, I, though, you know, to, to a degree, though, I mean, I, it's, it remains to be seen whether that works, if indeed she simply isn't shifting on her red lines at all, which sounds as if it's the case. Well, it sounds like customs union might be open here. Remember the big thing for her... But she don't forget, Luke. that's not her red line. She, exactly. She's already exactly. got customs union. Exactly. It's freedom of movement is her big red line. And, yes. um, and the Labour plan claims to, to, to not have freedom of movement. But if you tried to go and negotiate it, it would. Um, and this is what, you know, you get we constantly get this stuff, oh, he's met, uh, they went and met uh, Barnier, <clears throat> and they went and met European Parliament people, and they were very encouraging. Well, of course they were encouraging, because they saw that they had a semblance of a plan that could possibly provide, uh, provide some consensus in the Commons. Mm. They weren't saying, <laughs> yes, you're going to get a say in... Um, you're going to get a say in EU trade deals and we're going to get a version of the single market that's just the same as the single market but without freedom of movement. That's simply not the case. It's simply mm. not going to happen. Mm. Uh, so, you, so you can bring a compromise that all you want, but it's not what will come out of the other end. Either what will come out of the other end is something that looks pretty much like May's deal, um, an FTA, a sort of association agreement kind of thing, um, or it'll be membership of the single market. And uh, come on, it's time to fucking get real about this. Huh? All right, this is it. I mean, this is what's annoyed me um, <laughs> possibly more than anything else uh, in the British process is just the total failure of um, the key players to just be straight with everybody. 
just yeah. with themselves and everybody else. You know, on the EU side, okay, maybe you could argue that the EU side doesn't doesn't have the same stakes and doesn't have anything to lose here. But but the, the EU side has been crystal clear. Has yeah. said, well, this is this is how it is. This is how it is. You know. Whereas the on the UK side, it's everything at every stage has been about trying to twist language to make something look like it, something that it isn't. But even um, even on the re- even on the referendum, Corbyn's statement was, if you look very closely at the text, um, was saying that they would a confirmatory referendum on a on any bad deal. So what he's saying actually is, if we get my good deal, and it's not a good deal, it's not a jobs first Brexit. <laughs> there isn't a job first Brexit, um, and it's not a good deal, and it's not even the best available deal, which is the least bad available deal, uh, which is single market and customs union, because for for the reasons we said. Um, so, if, so he's not even unconditionally saying there has to be a referendum on it. I mean, we, it remains to be seen whether this ends up as a condition or not, but it didn't look like a condition to me. Um, so, but we'll see what comes out of Thornbury in the shadow cabinet. I mean, maybe that changes, but it, it looked conditional. It looked conditional to me. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Indeed, we'll we'll see what comes out of this process. But my my, um, my levels of cynicism are super high. I mean, they're off. They're off the scale, and that's because at every point in this entire process, from its very very earliest beginnings, on the UK side. Nobody's just been straight. Nobody's just been yeah. honest. Nobody's just said it like it is. They've always tried to find ways of, 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 of fudging whatever it is that they're saying to try and make it look as if it's something that it isn't. And that's seen on the EU side as well. Yeah. You know, so when we're talking about getting a long extension, mm. it's very clearly needed. Um, you know, how can... Say, you know, if something, even if something gets through by a couple of votes... We know that the ER, that lots of the ERG are now saying, "Oh, just pass anything and we'll fuck it up later." Yeah. How can you know? How can the UK? How can the EU twenty seven trust even even you know something even that comes from a from a small majority if yeah. there isn't an additional process involved? Yeah. If there isn't a definitive process like a referendum involved? Yeah. Um, I, 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 I don't see how they I don't see how they can. Yeah. I mean, I think that ultimately, no deal is so catastrophic, um, and. Uh, you know, the EU said they can't mitigate all of the, all of, they're prepared, but they can't mitigate all of the effects on it. But also the EU don't want a fucking basket case on its doorstep. They don't want the UK to be destroyed by Brexit. This idea that, you know, we've talked about lots about this, this, uh, you know, uh, punishment story, the the right-wing press loves, uh, which we got a bit of from, uh, from our mate James Crisp today, you know, <laughs> telling everyone that they won't be won't be able to bring their pasties and, on holiday with them um, as some sort of punishment. <laughs> um, you know, there's they don't want, the EU do not want a basket case on their doorstep, fucking angry at not having any food and looking for someone to blame. That is not conducive to European stability and the future of Europe. No. And it's also not conducive towards trading, which they, they also they also want, obviously. Um, so this 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 narrative is just absolute absolute bullshit. So, but what we're essentially relying on is 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 a bit of goodwill. We're relying on that. We're relying on EU twenty seven looking at us and going, we can't kick them out when they're a basket case like this. It mm. would be, you know, a, a, a breach of care or something. You know. Well, that's like we were saying last week about the intervention. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, I think that's that's our strongest card at the moment. <laughs> I think the the, the 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 strongest hope that we have as British citizens uh, at the moment is simply that it is so obvious that our government is failing us that it it, it then. <laughs> speaks to uh, the, a sense of responsibility on the yeah, part of European no leaders that you know we can't we can't let them we can't let them go and do this to themselves we have to try and find a way to help them help themselves yeah 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 absolutely which of course is okay. the it was that's the European way I mean that's exactly what the, the EU has done in in other parts of Europe and that's that's what's led to to, to, to the evolution of the EU I mean that, that's that's in its DNA so yeah it's not surprising so. That'll be the solidarity that the UK has spent 40 years sneering at. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Should we do uh, Lie of the Week? We forgot to do Lie of the Week in because we were too shattered to remember last week. Yeah, we did. It's true. You, um, have, the li- you have the Live, live of the Week. Yeah, I've got I, I Live of the Week. Chris Allworth choose the Live of the Week because he's much more organised than me. <laughs> Yeah. I've got an e- I've got I've got a quote of the week which is not a lie of the week but do the lie of the week first. Should do the lie of the week first. I'll, I'll roll the music. Roll the music. I don't believe you. <laughs> You're a liar. So, um, lie of the week. Well, you know, generally I don't like giving yet more uh, oxygen to these um, various people who've obviously been starved of oxygen at some key point in the development of their brains. But um, I'm afraid I'm going to have to talk about Andrew Bridgen. Oh, crap. (laughs) I thought you were going to say Francois there. No, it's way. I mean, they're interchangeable, aren't they, this lot? Mm. But um, Bridgen... Um, went on Radio 4, of course, <laughs> went, went on the Today programme because they, they love getting these guys on. Uh, and he started talking about why a customs union would be such a terrible thing. And he said that a customs union would be uh, really awful because um, the EU will not do anything to protect UK steel producers. Uh, and the reason for this, he said, is because the EU doesn't produce steel. <laughs> so why would they bother protecting steel makers? Because, of course, the EU doesn't produce steel. Well, I mean... I'll uh, tell all the steel workers down the road in Shallowell that, shall I? Yeah. So <laughs> if you look at a league table, so the Britain is, depending on how you measure it, either the second or the third largest national economy in Europe. But it is the eighth largest steel producer in Europe. There are seven <laughs> other EU member states that produce more steel than the UK. The EU... The EU... Um, ha- has introduced anti-dumping measures against Chinese steel being dumped on the European market. It renewed them exactly one year ago. Um do you, do you know who... Can you guess which member state tried to block that? Oh, do tell me. I couldn't possibly have it a guess. So, yeah. 
the, you guessed you guessed correctly, listener. It was the UK that uh, that was actually the holdout member state trying to block the introduction of EU anti-dumping measures against Chinese steel. Presum- presumably, because it's the only the bigger the eighth biggest steel producer in the EU. <laughs> so, um, well, I mean, we we expect these kind of naked lies from people like Bridgen. But unfortunately, we now also come to expect those naked lies simply to be allowed to pass without any kind of comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that indeed is what happened again. So that, that's my lie of the week. There have been plenty of others, but I thought I'd put out that one because it's just a classic example of not only what the EU does for the UK, but also this blind, arrogant exceptionalism that you get from yeah. the British, where it's like, well, obviously we're the only ones that matter and nobody else has, you know, everybody else is just riding around on donkeys still, you know. I mean, <laughs> nobody actually has a functional manufacturing uh, economy. <laughs> well, I had a second one. I had oh, a second one. Did you? Uh, which was uh, <coughs> from uh, a firm favourite and possibly the originator of cakeism. Uh, one uh, Boris Johnson, uh, who in a tweet said it would be ridiculous for the UK to hold European elections three years after it had left the EU. (laughs) 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 Uh, And we haven't left the EU, Mr Johnson. Have we not? (laughs) We haven't, no. Um, Uh, And he must know that. And Jesus... um, yeah, I mean, we've, we've, we've just reached the bottom of the barrel. But I had, had another, so that was the second lie of the week. But I just had a quote of the week. I was watching Parliament today. Mm. Um, not Parliament today. There used to be, a, there's a radio program called Parliament today, isn't there? I wasn't mm. watching that. Today, I was watching Parliament. <laughs> mm. And uh, George Eustace was, it was during the debate on the, the Cooper, Cooper bill. Um, and George Eustace uh, I thought <laughs> said something that just summed up what what is wrong with the Brexiters' view of of all of this, particularly mm. the EU, but the whole thing, mm. absolutely perfectly. He said, "One of the problems in this negotiation is getting hung up over some clause or other in an EU treaty." <laughs> <laughs> uh. But this just but this also leads me on. There was a very good. Uh, very, <laughs> very good, thre- very, very good thread today on Twitter by uh, uh, by Roland Smith, who mm-hmm. some of you might know is an ex-Lever. Um, I wouldn't say he's a Remainer now, but um, is, an, no. is, is an ex <laughs> ex-Lever. Um, mm. He's um, a revoker, he, if not a Remainer. Yes, he is a revoker, yes, mm. absolutely. Mm. Um, but he did this brilliant thread on um, on what he said was a sort of key, uh, a key feature of Euroscepticism in the UK. Um, he's been he's done a few threads recently, which are kind of taking apart Euroscepticism and looking at the individual aspects of it and what mm. drives it and so on. They've been really really interesting, and I'm very I'm very grateful to him for doing these because I think they 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 provide real insight. Mm. He did one today on what he called symbolism, um, and this is this was this quote from George Eustace was just the perfect example of symbolism. This is the Oh God! It, I mean, it's, it, it can't be beyond it can't be beyond humans to just do this thing. Mm. Um, how hard can it be? Mm. You know, Northern mm. Ireland border. How hard can it be? Leaving the EU. How hard can it be? Mm. A new trade agreement. How hard can it be? 
uh, that everything's simple, and if it isn't simple, it's dreadful. If it isn't simple, it must be t- it must be terrible because it's made up by it's just made complex unnecessarily by mm. tricksy, clever people, you know. Um, and it's not; it's complicated and it's big. And some clause or other in an EU treaty matters, and mm. it matters to the EU twenty seven individually and collectively. Mm. And in fact, it's mattered to the UK when the UK has has found the need to invoke clauses of the mm. of, of, of the treaties. And this is uh, this goes back as well as the symbolism thing, which I think is a brilliant term to to coin. I think it explains so much of thought in this regard. Yeah, but we had enough of experts. No, and it goes back to this thing that we talked about um, about rules. You know, what twenty or thirty? How many episodes we had? Forty episodes ago. Mm. Um, we, you know, people who just don't like rules. People who just don't. What do you mean? There's a. What do you mean? There's something in a treaty. What do you mean? There's a clause in a treaty that twenty eight sovereign governments solemnly agreed to. Who gives a fuck? We don't like rules. We just want to do whatever we want. Mm. Get rid of these rules. It goes back to this as well, which is, I think is an offshoot. I think the symbolism thing kind of kind of is an offshoot of this. I mm. think it, I think I think it explains it. Um, so no, I thought that was I thought just thought that was a really interesting quote to still be seeing things like that. Because mm. I'll tell you what, some or other clause in the treaty does is stops you getting what you fucking want, mate. So you should take some notice of it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Okay, well, I don't know if we've made any, uh, we've helped make any sense of the total madness here. Do you? Um, do you know what? I was talking to, to, a, to a colleague and a friend of mine today. I bumped into him um, and we were trying to catch up. Um, we, were, we were trying to catch up on developments. And um, I said to him that I hadn't yet got my head around it all and that I needed to do the podcast with you because that's how I crystallize my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's true actually, because <laughs> I'm, I don't know about you and I'm, I don't know about listeners, but I, I find that I'm increasingly struggling just to sort of keep up with it and to, to yeah, stay yeah. focused. And, and I do actually use no, these chats of ours um, to, start to crystallize my thoughts a bit and get them in order. And um, so I find it useful. I don't know if anybody else does, but I do. <laughs> well, I hope somebody else has anyway. Um, but what, so what do we know? We'll, 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 we'll still be in the EU by the next um, Cake Watch episode. Uh, yeah, yeah. And we still won't know if we have an extension, will we? So um, It'll be the night before the council, so we should yeah. hopefully have a sense of where the council's going to go with it yeah. by that point. I mean, really, we really ought to know where yeah, it's going like to out go. On the morning of, then we can put it out on the morning of the council and have council just make it obsolete instantly. <laughs> exactly, yeah. In fact, maybe we should... Hmm. <laughs> maybe we should do it on Wednesday night next week, actually. <laughs> I'm thinking about that, yeah. yeah. Um, well, anyway, <laughs> that's for us to discuss off-podcast, so we shall, we, shall have to, we shall have to have a think about that. But in the meantime... Um, Steve's been great to talk to you. Sorry, yeah, my throat's still a bit croaky, but well, it's getting better though. It's good. Oh. <laughs> it's taken a long time. Anyway, well, hang in there, everyone. Strap, strap in. It's going to be another one of them weeks. Yeah, and, it's going uh, to be. We'll see you next week. Yeah, see you next week. Yeah. Good night.